Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Uh, how's everybody feeling? Are you awake? Matt told me, he goes, hey, he goes, hey, we do this, uh, the Bible study turned into like a full on like little service. And I go, I want to come. He goes, you do? I go, yeah. I go, it's really early though, but let's do it. And I go, I want to come be hang out with you all. So this is really cool this morning. Uh, we'll dive right into it. And thanks for all your nice words. I'm not sure I deserve them all, but um, the best thing in my life is besides being God's kid is I'm a husband and I'm a dad. And uh, I had a marriage that didn't work uh, many years ago. I got married when I was really, really young. It didn't have the tools to do it. And I probably didn't have the maturity to do it. And it was easy to blame somebody else because they left and never came back. But I learned a lot about myself and I learned about wanting to have great relationships in my life and the quality of your life is the quality of relationships. I mean, that's true. Your quality of relationship you have with other people, your quality of relationship you have with God, and the quality of relationship you have with yourself. So maybe we'll even attach that a little bit today. So when you said all that nice things, he's a good dad, he's a good husband. That's like the, that's like the ultimate thing that you could say in my life. So I like showing up big for my wife and I like showing up big for my daughter. So I've been married for a little 14 years now and, uh, but I can tell you that's really cool. So thank you. That's my little cool claim to fame right there. Um, I was asked by, um, a mayor, I was on a talk show and they asked me, say, why do you, what do you use to motivate, inspire people and help people make decisions and make people, you know, be able to change and transform? And Tony Robbins asked me the same thing we were, we were eating and he asked me the same thing. I go, I use the Bible. And then I remember Tony Robbins, he looked at me, the big motivator guy with the big old head and the big teeth. He goes, he goes, you use what? I go, yeah, I use the Bible. And he goes, why? I go, I don't want to build my life on just something that's a pop psychology or success motivation or uh, a hope without a foundation. I want to build my life on something timeless. And God's word is able to create both stability in my life and it can establish all these areas of my thinking, my life, the way I live my life. And stability releases ability. How many know it's true? It's a play on words, but how many know it's true? The more st- stable you are and who God says you are, the more ability you release in your life. And I said, I didn't want good results. I need God results. So I, I said, I, I used the word of God because that's what changed, changed and transformed my life many years ago when I came out of professional baseball. Um, I had an idea that I wanted to speak and touch people's lives. And um, like, where do I go? What do I study? What do I do? And I went to a friend of mine who was the, the Raiders chaplain, the Oakland Raiders at the time, uh, football team, their chaplain. It was a guy I knew, it was a Jesus guy who I respected. And I go, okay, listen, I go, I have an idea. I'm going to walk away from professional sports. I have a dream in my heart that's bigger than the world that I'm living in. People don't believe in me. Why would you leave professional sports? And you're going to do what? I'm going to go be a janitor in a church. That's the decision I made. Pretty risky and ballsy decision, to be honest with you. We're not recording this, by the way, right? Is this just guys? Okay, I'm all right. All right. I'm just talking here for a little bit, and I'll, and I'll get into what I'm going to say. This will lead in. And, yeah, because you're walking away from a career I put my whole entire life into, and it's a career that's very lucrative, and there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of money and a lot of things. But um, I began to have an encounter with Jesus that was real, and he began to birth different things in my heart, the things that he embedded in there that were my discovery, not my decision. I thought that was when you're in his word, there's things that he's embedded in my heart that you discover. How many know it's true that he put eternity in my heart, in your heart? And um, and I went to this gentleman. I said, what do you think I should need to do? And he goes, I'm a, I'm a brand new. I'm having these experiences with Jesus. And he goes, do yourself a favor. 
He says, don't go try to get study all the laws, all the different new, the new ways of living in, in terms of you need to behave like this behavior specialist. He goes, then you're just going to modify your behavior. He said, go and study all the miracles of the Bible. Study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read them always out loud. He says, study a miracle a day. And he said, this was the best information I could have ever got. He says, when you start putting miracles inside you and after every miracle, say, if you can do it, I can do it. I needed this for my own soul because what happens, he goes, what most people do is they start behaving, trying to change all these different things and they get caught up in their behavior and their focus is on themselves, not on Jesus. Can I help you real quickly? My faith and your faith is really hard when the focus is on ourselves. Your faith and my faith becomes easy when the focus is on how much God loves you. You catch that? Because faith works by love. The more I understand God's love, the more easy it is to use faith. Most people focus on how much faith I have and they're trying to get faith and muster faith. And this guy said, if you start studying and seeing all the different miracles and start saying that, what will happen is where other people see obstacle, you'll see opportunity. When other people see disease, you'll see opportunity for healing. When other people see scarcity or struggle or lack, you'll see God's provision or his abundance or creativity to bring solutions to certain things. When other people see I'm stuck in a a bondage or stuck in a sin, you'll see God's provision to be able to get people out into freedom and you'll start to think like God. And when you start thinking like God, you can begin to work with God because you can't work with God until I think like God. And it was the best advice in the world. And I remember putting this inside me and I started thinking of, I'd get around situations and everybody else that was in my circle, great people, but they would see so much limitation. They would see lack. They would see all these different things. And I would go, well, well, what to be an opportunity? And I remember one time where it caught me where I re- form somebody come with a really bad diagnosis of cancer. And I blurted out. I was young at the time. I was really young. I was early in my early twenties. And I go, Oh, awesome. <laughs> Not because I was being prideful or arrogant, but I was like, I'd spent so much time with Jesus that when you looked at the way that he, he never turned anybody away who needed help mentally, physically, emotionally. And if you've seen him, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. I don't need anybody else to tell me about what Jesus is like. If I've seen Jesus, I've seen what the father's like. And that's why I love living in the Jesus style. That's what I quote the Jesus style all the time. That's my, an anthem of my life. I can do things in the Jesus style. And I remember still going, oh, awesome. What an opportunity. To me, it was the greatest opportunity for God to manifest something great and something good out of something horrible. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I don't think like a normal human being anymore. Because I knew Rex about a, you know, a year ago was like cynical. Come on. Looking for a cynical, sinister motives or people. You know, finding, okay, what's the, what's the catch in this? What's the gimmick? What's the lie? What's the, you know, I'd, I'd be that way. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm thinking more like God than ever before. How many know if I'm going to transform my life, improve God's will in my life, the Bible says I got to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. My mind. Nobody else can renew my mind for me. I can't pray that in. Salvation I receive by faith through prayer. How many know that's true? I can't renew my thinking to think like God and just pray that in or give an offering one time when that's going to come. The Bible says the measure of thought study I give to the truth I hear, it's Mark 4, 24, will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to me. If I want a lot of virtue and knowledge come back, how much of myself am I willing to put myself into his word? I don't know God through my feelings. I don't know God through circumstance. I know him through his word. 
He's only as good as his word. How many know that's true? He's integrous. God's not a man that he tells lies. Numbers 23, 19 says, but God also says, I'm alert and active. I watch over every word that I say, Jeremiah 1, 12, to perform it. God's a performer. And as I, this is just a little intro. I didn't expect to say this, but I want to say this because it's really good. Psalm 78, my favorite chapter in the whole entire Bible, says this. It says, when they did not think in terms of God's miracles or God's ability, it says their days were spent in fear and fruitless living. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that from the ages of four years old, back in the Old Testament, what they had to do, that parents had to tell, it's actually fathers. The men had to teach their kids three things daily. They didn't grow up on like Canadian Idol. They didn't grow up on like Sports Center. They didn't grow up on watching, come on, hockey or curling or any of that. They grew up and the parents had a responsibility because they didn't have TV then. Every day that they would have to tell their kids three things. God will bless you. He'll guide you and he'll deliver you. Could you imagine Rake growing up as a little kid and all you hear was, God will bless you. He'll guide you. He'll deliver you. If you walk with Jehovah, he'll bless you. He'll guide you. He'll deliver you. If you walk with the Lord, even if you're, if you're out of sync, get back in step because he'll bless you, guide you, and deliver you. They were not shocked when miracles happened. They were shocked when they did it. And God said, if you want to spend your days not feeling tormented by the fear of the world, because I mean, it's not going anywhere. That's only going to increase. And Jesus said people's hearts, and we've seen that the last three years, failed them for fear. Do you know on the CDC in America, the CDC, which is the medical thing, if you go and look on it, which is actually quite interesting, that the number one, re- second number, or second reason people passed away during the COVID season had nothing to do with pulmonary disease, lung disease, cancer, or influenza. It was fear-related disorders to listening to negative news. Go look at it on the site. How many of you know that when you start listening to so many different opinions and voices about who you are, what you're going to have in your life, faith comes by hearing. That's negative just as well as positive. Faith comes from hearing God's word. Come on. Not men's opinion. But then fear comes by hearing what everybody else is saying about things, economy. Well, that might be all going around and that's going to continue to increase. I want to have like live by God's economy. I don't care what Trudeau does or doesn't do. Come on, that doesn't determine well or well I live on this planet. I'm in a different system. You're in a different system. The kingdom of God works through sowing and reaping. Jesus said the kingdom. Oh, snap. Sorry. Got a little coffee on my Bible. Praise the Lord. I don't want to, I don't want to break up. Thank you for doing that. But think about that. The kingdom works through sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. How many of us true? So if I'm sowing things into the kingdom, if I'm sowing my energy, my tefer, I'm putting first the God's kingdom, his, the king and his dominion, his things that matter to the king. We don't serve a government, we serve a king. Come on, like all new kinds of people can come in and out of power, whether we like them or don't like them, matters not. That my economy does not determine by what's going on around me. But when I'm putting God's kingdom first, I believe he's going to open up because he says he's going to supply all of my need. That actually means employment according to his riches, not my lack, not my education, but according to his riches. I want to break struggle off some of our mentality. God takes great pleasure when his kids prosper. Prosperity doesn't come from sitting there waiting and just praying a prayer, though. God won't bless what I won't do. I wish it were that easy to name it, claim it, people, right? But I do like it because I actually believe in it. I actually believe you have to claim it and name it if you are going to claim it. 
You can't claim a blessing you don't name that I'm going to have in my life. And you can't claim a blessing that God doesn't promise you he's going to offer you. But he does says, I'll bless the work of your hands. Someone say my hands. How many of these hands have done a lot of negative things and a lot of, and some positive things? Come on, you looked at your hands. But God will bless the work of my hands. So that means everything I touch, it can prosper according to the word of God. So I want to do something. I want to make sure that I'm touching a lot of things with purpose and intent in his name and sowing a lot of good seed. So I'm not going to let the government or anything else determine my health care or my economy. Jesus in my health care. Jesus took my sin and my sickness and my pain. And I can expect healing from all. He'll He'll use contract, but he's the source of all increase, the source of all healing, the source of all hope, the source of all peace, the source. He gets all the glory. If there's anything good, come on. But when my faith is rooted in that, then I don't need to look at situations or circumstances or other people to fill that role. My trust can be in the Lord. And the people says the people that know their God, they'll be strong. They'll stand firm and they'll do great exploits. Daniel 1132. Someone need to memorize that. We need to memorize that. The people that know their God, they shall be strong. That's a strength comes out. How many know when you spend time in God's word or with God's people and you, or you start praising God, how many strength comes to your spirit? Strength comes to your mind. There's something that happens. There's a reason why you all gather in the morning at 7 a.m. below early. Why? Because when you gather, there's a strength comes to you spiritually. There's a strength that comes into your inner man, your outer man that God brings in you and they'll do great exploits. I don't know about you. That's over your life. God wants great exploits out of my life and from your life. We owe the world an experience with God. I want you to think about that. If I've experienced God's goodness, I owe the world an experience with the goodness of God. God didn't give it to me for my own self. He's given it to me that it grows more and more in me. And as Jesus said, it becomes like a tree where then other birds can come and nest under my tree. They can get nutrients or protection or shade. I mean, when you go different places, you you influence a pot for, for good or bad, right? When you go into an environment, it's either made better or worse by the people we are. In fact, the real battle sometimes not between evil and good. It's between less and more. Most of us don't choose the, the worst life. We just don't choose the best. But this planet and our city are made better by the people we choose to become. I don't know about you. I don't want to have a false finish line and settle for where I am. I want to grow in who God says I am in my relationship with him. Because we've been teaching, Matt said, the the theme has been that we are kings on the earth, right? Is that the idea that we've been teaching on in this thing? So if I was to sit there and go, okay, my favorite scripture in the Bible, it's Romans 5.17. It says, those that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It's a gift. Someone say it's a gift. Someone say it's a gift. I did not earn it. Come on. I didn't do enough religious things to get it. God gave me right standing with him. Righteousness. And you do very, very well, by the way. You build your confidence and you'll break emotional patterns that hold you back. If you were to say 10 times throughout the day, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The more you say that, what will happen inside of you, you'll feel a boldness and a confidence come inside you and you'll begin to see yourself right. The enemy works very, very hard for you to see yourself wrong because he knows you won't reign as a king in life as long as you see yourself based on who you used to be. 
If I don't see myself as the righteousness of God, I won't reign over sin. I won't reign over fear. I won't reign over worry. I won't reign over lack. I won't reign over disease. I'll sit there and tolerate things because I think of, oh, you know, I, I'm not enough. Uh, I'm not enough. I'm just trying to get to heaven. I'm just trying. That's a counterfeit. You weren't even made for heaven. If you were made for heaven, don't you think God would have put you there already? You okay? Is this okay? All right. All have sinned and fall short of the heaven of God, the glory of God, right? So maybe you didn't fall from heaven. Maybe you fell from glory. What is the glory? The nature of God. Who is the glory? The Holy Spirit. How do you get the Holy Spirit? Only through the grace of God, through what Jesus did on the cross. So maybe God didn't want to get you just to go to heaven. He wanted to get you on the earth so that you could manifest the goodness and the glory of God. And you can experience that. And he restored the relationship. So now Christ in you is a hope of glory. Oh my goodness. You're not sitting to somebody next to normal, a normal guy. You're a container of God's glory. You ain't normal no more. Stop relating to yourself according to your past. That was then. That person's dead, buried. Come on, stop relating. Well, I used to. I, sometimes you do good. Because my wife would sometimes ask me years ago, she'd go, hey, what about when you were a baseball player? I go, I don't even talk about that world anymore. Because everything around it was based on a person that already died. I already had the funeral. I don't talk about parties. I don't talk about when I did things or I, that person dead. He's died. He's a, he was bought. He was, he was washed in the blood and a spirit from Jesus resurrected a corpse in him and made this man that was sinner, unclean, wicked, an enemy of God. Come on. Deceived, foolish, lustful, everything else in the world that had committed every possible sin possible in a blast. The Holy Spirit made this man righteous because of what Jesus did, not because of what Rex did. Come on, that spirit of God has sealed you. You ain't normal. That's why the Bible says what God has cleansed, don't call yourself common anymore. We think it's humble to say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You can't be both. Which one is you? You like that proper English? Which one is you? <laughs> Jack that up. Am I a sinner or am I saved by grace? I was a sinner, but then I got saved by grace. Religious thinking and teaching, even if it meant well, always relates to an old man, not the new man. Oh, you think about that. So much teaching. Well, when you well, used to do this, you used, but that's not who I am anymore. The Bible's been, I've been made spiritually alive in Christ. I am a brand new creature. I am a new creation. What God has cleansed, is there any man in here that's been cleansed through the blood of Jesus? That means I've been forgiven of my sins because I put my faith in what Christ did for me. Don't call yourself common. Stop labeling yourself common. I'll give you a great analogy. So uh, if you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 22. You're right. I like this today. Are you already liking this so far? Are we okay? Cool. Luke 22 and verse 31, it says, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, or check this, desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But Jesus says, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. When you are 
turn back, strengthen your brothers. What's really interesting about this is, and this will relate to what I'm saying here for a minute and how you're going to be able to reign as a king in life. The only hold the enemy has is who you used to be. And if you realign your thoughts with who I now am as a believer in Christ, the Bible says because of the blood of Jesus, not only a believer gives me eternal life, it has made me a king on earth. Most people don't view themselves that way. I didn't come from this stock. I don't have this education. I don't have that background. I came from a broken family. I didn't do too well in school. I have a minimal job. Look at my bank account. How would God consider me royally? It's never based on something external. It's based on who God says you are. The more you understand who God says you are, the more you'll have what he says you can have. You won't possess what you don't see yourself being. You never higher than the area of yourself. How many know that's true? That's like the thermostat of the room, Right? Your identity, if you see yourself as a 75-degree person, if you start doing really, really good and you get up about 82 degrees in your life, something will make you come right back down and you sabotage yourself. You get too low, come on, oh, I got I to rev it back up to get about to right about here because you always operate as the person you think you are. Jesus comes after three years of walking with a guy named Simon Peter. He met Simon Peter, his brother Andrew brought him in John chapter 1, and he brings him and he says, hey, your parents called you Simon, that means reed or a wayward one, but Jesus, we call you something different, we call you Peter, Peter means the rock, powerful. It's interesting that God spoke his first encounter with Simon Peter, the guy that would end up his shadow would heal a whole city in Acts chapter 5. He would raise Dorcas from the dead. He would heal a man that was lame for 30-something years at the gate of Beulah. He would speak on the day of Pentecost after cussing Jesus out just 20 days earlier. He would walk on water. Come on. He would chop off a dude's ear in the name of Jesus. Come on, he had a little barbaric side to him. He's a little MMA-ish. Jesus said to him, we call you Peter the Rock. For, for the whole entire three years, Jesus never calls him again Simon after his first encounter. He gets to the very end. He's about to go to the cross. And he goes, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Isn't it interesting that the devil did not ask for Peter? He asked for Simon. Why is that? The only hold, the only way he can stop you is to get you to relate to who you used to be before who God said you really are. If I realign my thinking with who he says I am, his hold is broken. Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. The word sift is to be able to find something of harvest, a beautiful, but I got to work through all the junk to get it. He wants to unravel and steal all your beautifulness by getting you to relate to who you used to be. Because as long as you see yourself as you used to be, you'll not reign in life as a king and who I've called you to be. But when you convert, when you return to who I say you are, then strengthen your brother. How many know you're able to strengthen other people only to the degree that you return to who God really says you are and not who the enemy says you were? That's when you start to reign. If I'm going to reign as a king and I, you, from the beginning, it was God's plan. Relationship and rulership for mankind. You were made for relationship. My relationship with the God on earth determines my relationship to him in eternity. I'm as close to God as I want to be. If God seems distant, guess who moved? 
The Bible says, if I draw near to him, I'll draw near to me. And the Bible actually says, hey, get to know who I am. I want you to know my ways. Moses says, Moses knew my ways, but the children of Israel only knew my miracles. I want to be a person that knows God's ways, his thoughts. I often talk to him sometimes like, God, I want to know like why you do what you do. I want to show me your thoughts toward that person. Show me, I want to understand your ways. I don't just want to see the miracles and just be addicted to, okay, when I get to church or when I get to, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to understand, show me your ways that I may know you. All the other 3 million people that were Israelites, they would stand out and watch Moses. He would go into his tent all the time and he would sit there and Joshua would go with him and it says Joshua would always linger there. It's not interesting that Joshua became the bigger leader and led the children further because he would stay in God's presence. But their constant thing was show me your ways. They wouldn't go just to talk to God. They would go to let God talk to them. When they would go out to the tabernacle, they would let the presence of God come down and it says God would talk to them. Then they would talk back. It's a little bit deeper concept, but now I say, because we usually come to church, I'm going to tell God everything, but I want to, I want to have a feel, I want to know your ways. How, how awesome would it be to be able to walk with God and know God? So some of my prayers, Jesus said, I want the eternal life is knowing God, John 17, three. Eternal life is knowing God. It's not heaven. It's knowing God. Heaven's a place. It's real. You will go there. You'll walk on the streets of gold. Come on. But knowing God is eternal life. I want to know God. And Jesus said to, to experience that, I must abide in him, stay connected to him. And that's a choice because sometimes that's not easy. Come on, circumstances, life, cares of this world, things get away. But to know God, I want to spend time and invest in that relationship. You say, well, I feel frustrated, Rex. When I, when I go to pray, it feels like it's weird. Like I, don't, I can't see God. How do I talk to him? Anybody ever felt that besides me? Come on, just honest, like an honest conversation. I, I ain't the tar- sharpest tool in the shed. And I remember going to Bible college and all these people, like they would talk about doing all these programs. I'm like, I don't care too much about your programs. Partly why I flunked out of Bible college. The other part was I cussed too much at at that time. (laughs) I've grown a little bit in the last 25 years. But I remember like going like, oh my gosh, I don't want a program. I don't need a program. I want to like, I want to know. And somebody showed me something and just start reading the Bible out loud on Psalm 119 and wait for a verse to hit you. It's the longest portion of the Bible, the longest chapter of the Bible, but maybe there's one scripture that jumps out at you. Like let's say um, uh, verse 11 says, um, you know, it says, I think it says like by, by knowing you, I, I depart from evil or something. Like that. Or there's another scripture that says, give me a willing heart that I may run the path of your commandments. Verse 11 says, I'm going to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So let's say that one jumps out at me. And I'm like, I'm reading and like, oh my gosh, I, I'm going to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin. David said that. Meaning king. He said, God, I'm going to hide your word in my heart. That, and if that jumps out at me, I'm going to start praying that back to God. He just talked to me. It jumps out at me. God, help me to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Teach me not just to hear your word, but to do your word. How many know now God's talking to me and I'm talking back? Maybe I read four more verses and nothing jumps out at me. Maybe I read another four verses and all of a sudden it says, give me a willing heart that I may run the path of your commandments. And that jumps out at me. So you know what I'll do? I'll sit there and go, God, give me a willing heart. Where I'm not willing, give me a desire to be willing. 
Give me a willing heart to run your course, to run my destiny. Not to run other people's destiny, but to run my destiny. To fulfill my purpose in my life. I want to pray that over my, God, give my wife a willing heart that she may run her course, her destiny. Give my brothers, I'll pray for people by name. Give them a willing heart that they may run the course that you have from the, the course of your word. Give my daughter a willing heart. Give my grand, all of a sudden, I'm, give, my, give my government a willing heart that they might yield to you, that they may run the course of God, not the course of evil in the world. Give all of us, give the people that are leaders at our Chilliwack school system, give them a willing heart, an open heart and mind to be, how many know now God's talking to me through his word and now I'm talking back? How many know he's talking to me and I'm talking back? I call that relationship. I call that connection. I call that power. And all of a sudden, man, my relationship with God is being built. And I see so many people struggle. And I think this is one of the biggest ways that I've learned to break free from this is I go back. If I ever been a slump, I always go back to Psalm 119. And I'll start reading it out loud. I'll wait to one verse. Give me, give me a will. You know, it says, incline my heart to your word and not to covetousness. Greed. Oh, okay. So I might start praying that over and over. God, give me a willing heart that I might not, you know, or incline my heart to your word that I don't give in to the greed or sensuality or different. And I start praying that and I pray until it takes me to heart. Now, a relationship. Now, all of a sudden, that relationship's growing. What about the relationship you have with yourself? Are you taking time for the relationship with yourself? Do you invest in the relationship with yourself? You have one. Come on. You have a relationship, your thoughts, your feelings, your mood. Come on, your words you speak. God gives you ability to reign in life so you can reign over what? Your mind. God's not going to reign over your mind for you. you got to be the gatekeeper. What thoughts do I entertain? What words and conversations do I speak? How will I live? God, you're not a robot. How many know that's true? Come on, God's sovereignty gave you free will. Or else you can never hold you and me accountable for our words, our actions. And by your words, you're justified. And by your words, you're sentenced. Jesus said, you'll have what you say. How many know would like to take a better control over maybe the way you feel on a daily basis? And you want to have more kingship or dominion into the way you feel. Do you know that 85% of all of the emotions you feel come from the words you speak? The speech center of your brain is actually the dominion center of your central nervous system. It's interesting. That would make sense because the Bible says a person has joy by the answer of their mouth not their circumstance. And how many know you're only as strong as your level of joy? The joy of the Lord is your... And God said that to people that were feeling defeated. Isn't that awesome? Gives me a lot of hope. That a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Maybe I could take greater dominion over my emotions because emotions often lead to decisions. How about if I take dominion over my thoughts, I'm not just going to entertain every thought that comes in my head. I remember when I was, uh, I, was seven, I think it was like 7th grade or 8th grade, I was dating Wendy Lopez, my first girlfriend. She kissed me. It was my first real kiss. She had braces. I thought she was going to tear up my mouth. And I remember like I was trying to be really cool. She was a grade higher than me, so I was like trying to be cool. And I came in from playing basketball at lunch, and a bird crapped on my head. And it hit, and I felt this hot stuff on my head. I put my hand in there, Rudy, and it was like hot poop. 
embarrassment. You know what I mean? I was trying to play it cool. So I went into my teacher, Mr. Ty, and I go, hey, listen, I got to go to the restroom. And he goes, Yo, are you okay? I go, yeah, yeah. I just got to run to the restroom. And I tell him what was up. I don't want no one to know. And I went in there and I scrubbed and I realized, you know, that's the way thoughts are. The enemy can drop all kinds of thoughts in your mind and crap on your head, but you determine how long that crap stays. How many know you can wash it out with the water of the word? Come on, I put some water. I didn't want my head to smell like poo. Come on, somebody. How many know the enemy offers you all kinds of thoughts all day long, but I had to have enough of God's word in me to compare what's in my mind with what's in his mind. The Bible says to take my thought captive into the obedience of Christ. So rather than having a passive mind, I'm going to rule in my mind and rule in my mouth and have authority there. Because a lot of people think, if I'm a king, I'm going to rule. The Bible says, according to Ecclesiastes, it says, a king rules by the word and the thought of his power. Your thoughts have power to allow you to reign or be defeated. I want to choose thoughts on purpose. So I choose a lot of times, three thoughts I'm going to think throughout a day. I'll write them down. I'm going to focus on God loves me all day long. Another thought, I will not live in fear. And another thought, I enjoy helping people and being a blessing to people. I set my mind up and give my mind direction because the scripture says, guide my mind in the way of the Lord. He didn't say God would guide my mind. He said, I have to guide my mind because I have I take charge of my thoughts. Will I yield them to the Holy Spirit or will I yield them to the flesh? The mind of the flesh gives me death. But the mind of the spirit gives me life and peace. And what happens if I start changing my way of my thinking, I start changing my words. Jesus never spoke about conditions and how bad they were. He always spoke deliverance, blessing, healing. I don't know about you. If he dominated resources, demons, death, disease, all by the power of his mouth. And now he says, you will do the very things I do. I cannot remove that from the scripture. If I believe John 3, 16, that's in red, I got to believe that. Or I can't just pick and choose what I believe. If God is not the same yesterday, today, and forever, pair of scissors and cut out every single miracle of the Bible and see what you're left with. And say, I don't believe this is you anymore. And he says, my nature's in you. You become so familiar with surviving life or handling difficulty or defeat. But what if you're created for dominion? What if you're created to be a king? I can rule in my mind. I can, I can be free. I can be large and charged in my mind and my thoughts. I don't have to let the enemy rule my thoughts. I can have dominion in my thoughts. My mind, come on, my, my real estate of my mind, I don't have to give over to negative thinking or to old patterns of thinking or to lustful thinking or to angry thinking or to bitterness thinking. I can choose to think on things that are good and lovely, pure, godly, of a good report. Philippians 4, 4, 8 says, right? I can choose what I think on. Set my mind. Mindset. That's where you get it. Set my mind on the things above. Touch the person next to you. Say, set your mind. Come on. There's three more minutes of this and we're going to be done. This is a nice and... This is a nice little conversation. Come on. I can rule in my thoughts. I want to get that in. I rule my thoughts. I'm a king of my thoughts. The devil's not the king of my mind. Before you were born again, you just took whatever thought came into your mind. But you've been born of his spirit. Now you have the responsibility to do something with your mind. So I'm going to be the king of my mind. I'm going to dethrone. Come on. The old king of my mind. He's, he got defeated. I'm going to change. I'm going to, what am I, what, what's the thought I need to, what are the thoughts that hold me back the most? Maybe that's a great question to ask somebody. What's the number one thought that defeats you the most? What's the number one belief that defeats you the most? Not worthy. Thank you for your honesty. 
Failure, same type thing, right? Anybody else have the guts? What is that? I'm not enough. And if you're not enough, then your fear is what? I won't be loved. So then what do we do? We have to manipulate crap because we're afraid we won't be loved. But then we manipulate relationships because we're scared we won't be enough. And if we're not going to be enough, we won't be loved and appreciated and accepted. Therefore, we have to put on a false bravado and we can't be our authentic selves. And authority flows out of who you really are, not who you fake to be. How many of those true? Thank you for your freaking honesty. Because I felt that and I've lived that. But I also know by not feeling I'm enough because life is... But the past doesn't equal the future. Jesus equals my future. That's why if we reference the past as where we're going, we're in trouble. We should be referencing Jesus as our means of where we can go and how we can live, not our past. Because our past will lead us to, oh, shoot, I I failed there. I made a bad decision there. I business, I I botched that. I got into debt there. Hey, man, shouldn't have done that with that, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Now, all of a sudden, you go back to those places. Now, you have a whole stacking, a set of mindset and belief. Well, how am I going to live this out? How am I ever going to do this right again? I'm not enough to do it there. I'll probably never recover here. This things won't happen here. But that doesn't equal then. The cross changed all that. That's why the Bible says for me and you, for me, I have to advise myself. I have to advise myself. All things are new, not recycled. They're new. It's not a rerun with another, what I'm going to heaven now. It's I'm new. I'm not this. I have the same body. I might have some of the old thoughts, but I'm not the same man on here. I have a DNA from G. His life is in me. That's what the Bible says. Go and look in the mirror, and the mirror is the word of God, James says. James, the pastor, Jesus' brother. Go into the mirror, the word of God, and says, don't forget what manner of person you are. That's why when we're in the Bible, you should be reading it out loud. Okay, even if you read us one chapter or one portion or one miracle a day, read it out loud because you're looking into the mirror and you're seeing Jesus in you. And when you start seeing God, not your failures, I'm looking for Jesus in the word. Even what Jesus said about himself, he said, he could have said, I, I came from this background. I did this. I did that. I did that. He said, when they said, who are you? He said, it is written. He found himself in the word of God and he quoted the word of God about himself. If Jesus had to do that, how much more do I need to do that? You look into the mirror, you're transformed. The Bible says you go from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. Don't forget what manner of person you are. The night I was going to end my life, 2000. Four or five, going through a real or six, maybe right in there. It was a power. It was a heavy night because I've been going through a divorce. It was really painful. My wife went to go get help because she had a really tough upbringing, and she never came back. It's tough when you're a speaker. You stand in front of people. You help people, and now your wife's gone. I could have done a lot of things. I didn't know how to do because I didn't have the tools how to be a husband. I failed in that area. I don't mind owning that hundred percent. I could have been so much more, and I didn't know how to be. I didn't know what it was like to be in a relationship with myself. I was looking to get love to rather than how I can give love. How many know my relationships are doomed when you look at your relationships by, I need to get love from you rather than how can I give love to you? It only work when I look at how I can give love and improve somebody. And that cost you a sacrifice. There's a sacrifice in that, right? There's a labor of love in that, huh? Because that means I got to forgive first. I'm sorry first. Come on. I got to bite my tongue first. Come on. A lot of things where I got to deny myself. I remember going through that motion, though, that night. I'd just come back from an event with um, Seal, the singer Seal and Heidi Klum, really pretty actress. 
And uh, um, I remember coming back and I was speaking in a church and that night there were so many people in the church that you couldn't get them all in. They were sitting on the floors and I remember a whole family for the very first time in their life, deaf since birth. The whole entire family got their hearing. Jesus opened their deaf ears. He did it. He gets all the credit for it. I said a little prayer, but what are my hands going to do and open a deaf ear? Jesus did it. He's still the same. I mean, no, he's still the same. Someone say he's still the same. Whether it happens gradually or instantly matters not. He's still the healer and he's still the same. But I'm going to expect everything to be instant always. Come on. Because that leads me to, if I always say, well, he'll just do it gradually. How you know your faith will go down? But if I expect God, everything's going to be, today's the day of my salvation. That means I can grow in getting healed emotionally, physically. I can grow. Today's the day of salvation. I want to expect salvation today from the Lord. Salvation belongs to God. Strength belongs. I'm going to receive that today. And I remember walking out of that meeting that night and everyone else was so elated and it going crazy, but I was suffering in my soul. And I felt that grace lift off me. I got in the car and I opened my sunroof and I was driving at that time and I was driving down Malibu Canyon. I was like, I'm going to end my life tonight. I was in so much pain on the inside and I'd masked it because you had to get on a stage and help other people with a gift. And I remember telling God, I said, God, tonight, will you just tell me something nice about me? I don't want to hear I did a great job speaking. You gave me the grace to do that. I thank you. I don't want to hear a great job of, hey, did you see those deaf, four deaf people's ears opened up and there were crippled people. It was a move of God that happened for a whole year. I was there every other week for a year in the middle of Los Angeles and just incredible healings and things God did for people and salvations of people really struggling and things. But I said for me, I said, can you just tell me something nice about myself? I want to hear that from you. Tell me something nice. And I felt like he said, honest to God, I felt like he said, I want you to go look in the mirror. I went home and looked in the mirror and I sat there and he says, put my word and begin to speak my word over yourself. And I had to face the mirror. Have you ever been there? Maybe you haven't. This isn't like a a normal talk that I would give, (laughs) but I'm just talking as a man to man. I had to face myself in the mirror, what I wasn't, what I thought I'd failed in where I felt like it wasn't enough. It wasn't hiding under my gifts, my talents, my muscles, or money, or anything else in my life. You ever had that kind of a moment where you had to face yourself, and the Bible says God desires truth in your inner part? And when there's truth, there's mercy. They kiss. If I got the guts to tell myself the truth, how many know when I, if I'm willing to face something, there's mercy to heal it. When I run from something, come on, there's a, So I had to face that mirror that night, what I wanted to avoid. And I began to sit there and going, God loves you. And I look at myself and say, God loves you. It was hard to even look at myself in my eyes and say, God loves you. Because I felt like a failure. But he says, you're looking at this from the lens of what your circumstance or what you're going through, not who I say you are. You're a king. You're a powerful man. I live inside you. Stop degrading who I've made you to be. Don't insult my grace because you keep putting yourself down based on experiences you're going through. That doesn't change my opinion of you, Rex. Keep declaring my word. My word doesn't work until you speak it. Think about that. God says he upholds, he creates all things by the word of his power, not the power of his word. In most modern translations, it says the power of his word. Why is that interesting? If it's the power of his word, God's word's only as good when he speaks it. 
if it's the word of his power and I begin to speak God's word over myself, it's just as powerful that Jesus himself was speaking it through me right then. And God's word always comes to pass. If you'll begin to declare God's word over yourself, the scripture says you eat your words. When I was at the Pentagon speaking, you can get certain access through your eye print. They scan your retina. It differentiates you from 8 billion people in the world. They scan my eye print when I go get on the airplane tomorrow to go fly home to go do that funeral in Hollywood. They're going to let me speak about Jesus at a Jewish funeral for an entertainer. They're, I had a chance to lead the entertainer's mother to Christ, and she passed while we were here. So I'm going to go home and do that. But tomorrow they're going to scan my eye, and I'm going to walk through security, and they give me access. I don't got to wait in long lines. Thank you, Jesus. Then there's a fingerprint. Fingerprint gives you access. You can get a car. You can drive. You can get your driver's license. True. You have certain access to privileges based on your fingerprint, right? But there's certain things that will only give you access. At the Pentagon, the highest level of access does not come through your fingerprint or through your eye print. It comes through your voice print. Certain access, you can't get to certain blessings, access, privilege, and power until you have to stand in front of a screen, a mirror, and speak. And when you speak, your voice is recognized different than 8 billion people in the world, and they know you've been qualified to have access by what you speak to all the blessing. Can I tell you, when you begin to speak God's word, not your feelings, when you speak God's word over you and say, I am the right righteousness of God. I am anointed. I am disciplined. I'm an excellent spirit. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I overcome evil with good. I am redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my sickness and disease. He carried my pain. He redeems my life from destruction. I'm favor. I'm crowned with favor. When I begin to declare that, I have access. And the word voice print, I got to quit. The voice print actually means it Jacob's, the word Jacob's ladder, the ladder in the Hebrew language where angels went up and angels went down in the Old Testament on a, on a ladder. The word ladder is the word voice in the Hebrew. Why is that powerful? Angels begin to move and down by the words that I speak. Most of our angels are protective but not proactive. Let me go there. The scripture says angels don't hearken to the voice of Rex. They hearken to the voice of God's word. His word needs a voice. Will you be the voice in Shiloh? Will you be the voice when you go home? So God's activity is not based on me just saying, I believe, I believe. That's a start. But I need to trade my belief for some expectation and let that change with your mouth. Because God says the spirit of faith is, I believe his word, therefore I speak his word. David, the king said, I believe his word, therefore I speak his word. His son Solomon grabbed that son's same spirit and said, the king only has power by his words that come out of his mouth. Imagine the access of blessing you have when I begin to say, by Jesus stripes I'm healed. I might not feel healed, but your faith is not in your feeling. Your faith is in what God said. I have a sound mind. I might not feel I have a sound mind. I might feel like I have a foggy mind. I have a sound mind today through Christ Jesus. I don't feel loving, but I have a spirit of love inside me. Therefore, I can be loving. Come on. I have a godly spirit. That means, though I might feel lustful, I don't have to give into that. I have a kind spirit. That means I don't have to give into anger. I can forgive, and I can turn a cheek, and a soft answer can turn away wrath. But if I speak in God's word, I activate angelic forces. 
Could you imagine how many angels? Come on, I always ask, Lord, I don't want like some like, come on, just like, I don't, I don't want some, you know, from Saskatchewan. I don't want a Saskatchewan angel. I want a Nigerian thug angel. I want gangsters, you know what I'm saying? Like, the ones that got like, got to go like, go into like Detroit. The ones that got to like, open a can of whoop in dark places. And I remember saying, God, you open your mouth and you'll begin to see my activity begin to really operate powerfully in your life. Some of you have your businesses, you ought to say, the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of it. But I can't just declare that. I also got to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to partner with God 10%. I'm just returning to God what he gives me. I'm going to become a tither. The church, not because of the church. This is a partnership with me and God. What a great deal. Everything good in my life comes from him. David the king said, all my goodness comes from God. I'm going to tie 10%. God don't need 10% of your money. He's going to be God whether you get your 10% back or not. But I'll tell you what, if I trust him, he says, I'll rebuke the devourer, the seed eater over your life. And if the kingdom only works through seed, I'll rebuke him. I want to encourage some of you to begin to trust God with that. Every year, me and my wife are, try, are trying to raise that number every year. We're going to believe God that we're going to give, that if it was last year, it was 10%, we're going to go 11% this year. Next year, it might be 15%. We're, we, we're on a trajectory where we keep doing, we're trusting God for more. And we become more aggressive because what? Our money speaks of our time, our energy. That's one way to shut the face of the devil. I'm giving to the things of God. I'm putting you first. You've given me time, energy. I'm going to bless this. I'm going to become aggressive in my giving as a king. I'm going to become aggressive in speaking as a king. Aggressive in my praying as a king. Aggressive in my loving as a king. Because I don't know about you, that kingdom works by love. Faith you need here on the earth to move mountains, possess promise. But you can't take faith with you when you get to heaven. Hope, you need hope, you need dreams, you need purpose. God needs that because there's no future if you don't have a vision. If you don't have a vision for your future, you'll return to your past or settle for where you are. But one thing that can go to heaven is love. I don't need hope in heaven. I don't need faith in heaven. But one thing that will always exist in heaven is love. I want to encourage you to begin to receive God's love, not just, and it'll help you in your confidence level. Maybe this will be a way to end today. Start beginning to saying to yourself, I am the righteousness of God because God loves me. God loves me. Say it over yourself, I receive God's love today. I receive God's love. I do this in my home. My children will, t- my daughter will tell you. My wife will tell you. I do it all the time in hotels, everywhere. I do it all the time. God, I receive your love today. I receive your love. Thank you that your love's healing me. Your love's renewing me. Your love's strengthening me. You're giving me wisdom. You're giving me business ideas. Your love's bringing the right contracts. It's multiplying things in my life. Your love's shifting things in my life. When I start to see that his love is working in my life, faith is easy. It's not a struggle anymore. How many believe that you could apply, we could apply some of these things to our life? Can we, has this helped anybody today? Anybody got something good out of it today? And I want to say thank you for those of you who spoke back. Thank you for your incredible honesty. I felt so many of those similar things in my own life. At times, I think every one of us in this room has, so thank you for your honesty because you speak on it. But I don't want to be you. I want to be who God made me to be. God made you an original. Don't die a copy. He made you an original. Don't die a copy. Be who God made you to be. And who is that? You are righteous. You're loved. You're worthy. You're forgiven. You're healed. You're blessed. I don't feel that way. Thank God it has nothing to do with how you feel. If you stop basing your faith on your feelings, you'll actually start to feel your power of your faith. God's word always looks like a lie. He calls you healed when you're struggling. He calls you prosperous when you're lacking. 
He calls what's not as though it is. Isn't that awesome? Because he knows his word has the ability to pull it out of you and produce for you what you can't do on your own. He's so confident in his word. Well, brother, you need to be humble, 100%. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you in due time. But what's true humility? You'd have to actually think you're something great to humble yourself. You actually have to think right about yourself to actually humble yourself. I actually have to think that God really made me a powerful king on the planet so then I can humble myself and not let that go to where everyone serves me. But as a king, I deserve to serve other people and not look at it as a way to get service done to me, but to serve other people. And because God made something of me, I can give it to other people's lives and as a service. Isn't it powerful? We humble ourselves. You should humble yourself, but only recognizing who God made you to be. You should have a struggle more with pride because of how good God made you to be, how powerful you, that's, that's, that's why you should stay in the presence of God. It'll keep you reminding of God made you, not you made you. He made you so powerful and potent and healed and strong. Can you imagine the more you see yourself in the world, you should feel like you were on freaking steroids, spiritual steroids. If I start seeing who he made me to be, I'm not regular. I should walk out of there. Come on, I'm a gladiator. It don't make my size, my bank account means nothing. I am righteous. Righteousness allowed Jesus to walk on water, cast out the words, he, and that same righteousness that was in him is now in me? And I'm treating myself like normal? I should sit there and say some of those thoughts that are bullying my mind? Get out of my mind. I command you to go. You have no right. It's like waking up in the middle of the night with too many covers on. Come on, you wake up in the night. You ever done that and I start kicking like stuff off you? Anybody ever done that before? Like you're like, I'm freaking claustrophobic and hot? That's something you got to be that way with your spiritual adversaries. Come on, fear, get off of me. Torment, self-doubt, get off of me. I'm a child of God. I'm bold as a lion. I'm being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What will happen in the atmosphere will shift. Your home will shift. Your marriage will shift. All because God's word is now becoming who you really are. Close your eyes. Say, Jesus, thanks for talking to me today. I receive. Someone say, I receive. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your righteousness. I don't deserve it. I did not earn it. But thank you, Jesus, for becoming sin for me. You absorb my punishment so that I can live free from condemnation and be accepted by the Father. I am accepted today because of your sinless blood. The devil doesn't have any hold on me. I'm your child. I have a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and I have a spirit of a sound mind. My life is going forward and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And your goodness is chasing me down. Now just lift your hands. Holy Spirit, fill your people. Fill all these powerful men. Fill them afresh. It says that when they prayed that God in Book of Acts, that it was shook. There was a whole earthquake and they were filled with your spirit afresh. It shows me that we can be filled over and over again. Just like a gas tank. Fill us today with your Holy Spirit afresh. Fill our hearts, our minds, our families, our minds, our emotions. Fill every area of our life with your life. You are the spirit of life. You're the spirit of holiness. You're the spirit of healing. Wonderful Jesus. Thank you for filling our lives with your presence.
Put your hand on your brother's shoulder for a minute. Come on, if there's someone close to you, put your hand on their shoulder. Just do your best and pray for them for 15 seconds. The Bible says, when you return to who I say you are, strengthen your brethren. Come on, strengthen them for a minute. Pray your prayers work. You don't got to go to some seminary. You can pray. God will heal. Just pray healing and strength, wholeness, victory over their life. Victory, victory, victory. Victory, 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 victory. Victory in their emotions. Victory in their hearts. Victory in their lives. That they would understand how righteous you've made them. That they would be filled with hope and joy. And they would reign as kings this week in every area of their life. Thank you that, Lord, sin doesn't have dominion over us anymore. Greed doesn't have dominion over us. Poverty doesn't have dominion over us. Sickness doesn't have dominion over us. Thank you, fear doesn't rule over us. Worry doesn't rule over us. Thank you, selfishness is broken. And thank you, God, that the Lord, the life of your kingdom, the life of the Holy Spirit works powerfully in us this week. Miracle breakthroughs, contracts, increase revenue, I pray. Increase revenue. I pray that, Lord, this would be a house that, Father, that people would say, man, those people prosper. Those people prosper in business. Those men prosper economically. Those men prosper with skill and excellence and raises and opportunities and promotions that come not from man but from God. You said promotion does not come from the east or west. It comes from you. So, Lord, I pray for great promotion over people in the spring season. I pray for favorable contracts, favorable building opportunities, favorable opportunities to buy and purchase land. I pray we'd come out of renting into places of owning, not because we deserve it, but because you're that good. And the Bible says that the righteous shall inherit the land. I believe that for the valley. We are your righteousness. You made us righteous by your grace, your grace. And because of that, Lord, we can reign as kings. And I pray that we would inherit this land of this valley. I prophesy that the men of this will turn the tide in this area. This will not be under a religious spirit, an impoverished spirit, a Lord, an old spirit. It will be under the spirit of God, that God, we're going to take back this area. The schools will be blessed because we're in this city. Our children and families will be blessed. Our marriages will be blessed, filled with passion and energy, love and joy, intimacy, because of the goodness of God. And our, I thank you, Lord. We take back our minds, that Lord, the enemy cannot have this valley's mind to drugs, to torment, to bipolar, to transgenderism, to confusion. I declare today that that spirit of confusion would be broken off this valley. That as the men of God, the mighty men of God that you've raised up in an hour, we say that God, clarity will come. Confusion will be broken. Righteousness will prevail in our land. Righteousness in our streets. Justice. Violence will come to an end in our city. Let this whole city all of a sudden turn on its dime. Turn on a dime from more being under underneath alcoholism, underneath drug addiction, underneath, I pray, mental health issues, to being on top because of the goodness of God. Use us, Jesus. We're willing and we're able, and I thank you for a fresh anointing and empowerment of the Holy Spirit for us to bring reconcilers of men and women and families to you. And it starts with us when we say yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, say, I'm healed. I'm full of hope. I'm disciplined. I'm excellent. Come on. Because God's working in my life. And I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I receive it from you, God. I lack nothing because I am loved by you. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Give the Lord a clap and a shout. Pastor Matt, turn us back over to you, sir. Thank you for tuning in today, and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time. Thank you.